All right, Kev, this is uh, what a weekend for you. I got to start off getting right to it. How the hell are you doing? You talk about, you know, you had never gone six for six in DraftKings, but if there's not six for six in DraftKings, there is six for six in this survivor journey this year. That's that's pretty rare. So how the hell are you? How do you feel? What's going through your head? How is it going through a weekend without like some anger for the first time in forever? Yeah, I needed it for sure. After the after week one, you know, there's very, very opposite weeks, I feel like weeks one and two, right? So the first week, all, you know, the two big chalk plays both missed the cut, uh, which obviously burned a lot of people. And this week, I feel like it was sort of the opposite where all the all the big chalk favorites sort of hit. Um and then if you tried to like go down a little bit and get like a little lesser known guy worked in some cases and then uh, in some cases didn't. But yeah, I needed... <laughs> after last week, I had, you know, one one entry out in our pool and a couple others in a different pool that we play. So I, need, I needed a big week this week. So it was good. Good to see. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I, I think it was somebody on this podcast last week, myself, who was like, you know, this is a week where it might be good to just go strong favorite and get through it. And I'm glad somebody took that advice. Um, I did not. And I just like, I've been sort of waiting to unload this. So you might have to just deal with this for a second. But you know, underneath my soft exterior, there is a strong competitive fire that burns down there somewhere for like two things. This being one of them. And watching, having to grind through those two clowns that I picked, Brian Harmon, Cam Davis. I don't know what the math on this is, but the cut ended up being minus 10, right? That equal to about 3.33 under par per day to make it. I think Cam Davis ended at negative three. Uh, so not quite on that pace. And Brian Harmon was one shot off. But watching all these clowns tear up that course, I, I just wanted to slap myself. And be like, you know, take your own advice and don't overthink this. But I did. And I hate sitting through losing. And I hate having to grind that out, especially with no shot tracer, no coverage at all for, you know, the cut day. But then uh, I'm doing this from Maine, where my in-laws are from, as you know. And I just got to say, like, I don't know what it is, but I've been in 20 degree weather. The 20 degree weather in Maine is just something different. Hurts in the bones, makes you angry all week. And the combination of those two things and what I'm about to tell you happened to me as Cam Davis and Brian Harmon are, you know, struggling through cut day was a low point, I'd say, in the last like six months, you know, year or so. So I'm in, I'm in Shaw's running an errand for my in-laws with Katie. Uh, we're, we're, part of that, that order is wine. Um, so we get the whole grocery list plus wine. Katie doesn't have her ID and has been ID'd in that store before. So I tell her like, you know, college students, you go wait in the car. I'll check out because I'm of age here and I'll meet you. We get uh, into the grocery line. There's a woman in front of me, elder. She's in one of those handicapped scooters with the, uh, you know, the the baskets in front that you shop in, uh, wheeling her way in. And she is uh, at the at the like the front of the line putting her stuff on the grocery belt for like no less than five full minutes um and i'm getting a little impatient in, in back of her because i'm trying to pack up here 
So I'm like, um, uh, ma'am, you know, if if you want, I can get some of that for you. And I can, you know, in my head, in the back of my head, I'm like, I can move this along so I can get on with my life. But that that didn't come out. I was just trying to be nice. So she turns around and goes to me in the front of this line. You're just trying to make me look weak in front of this store. Oh, no. <laughs> and I, that obviously caught me very off guard. I was like, oh, you know what? All right. We're just going to let this one slide. So I was like, ma'am, I'm just trying to be nice. Like, I'm, I'm sorry if I if you took that the wrong way. And then she goes, that's the problem with this world. Too many nice people like you. <laughs> I was like, uh, you know, I this is just how I was born. Just born nice. I don't know what to tell you. And she goes, Sonny, I bet that's not the only way you were born. <laughs> what does that mean? <laughs> I, so I don't. I don't know what that means. I've I've asked the question of a few different people. People don't know. I didn't run this by you. We don't we don't talk before like we we log on to Zoom and we hit we hit play and go. What do you think that means? Uh I don't okay, so just first reaction. Yeah, like for all, first of all, it was great to hear this story. Ed and, I, Ed and I texted a little bit over the weekend. He told me he had some sort of grocery store incident, uh, and I wanted to get the story over text, it, but he said, no, like you have to just hear Kev, it. Kev, it goes on. It goes on. It gets way better, but I need but to know. The only thing I, I can called. think, it seems like she's insinuating that you uh, are kind of, I don't know. My, my first reaction is that you're kind of like well off, like you're pretty, like you're like, you feel like you're better than her and you're coming from like uh, a place of like uh, okay. entitlement, I guess. Yeah, I look, I don't know what it was. I got a few different ideas, that also being one of them. But either way, I wasn't trying to do that. I was trying to secretly help myself by helping her, but also just yeah. be objectively kind. So anyway, 10 minutes pass or whatever it takes her to load the, the other two groceries that she has. She checks out. I'm next in line after this has all gone down. The clerk looks at me and just isn't doing anything. And I'm like, are, are you good? Like, are we good? It's okay. Like, it's not a big deal. And he goes, her car didn't work. And she is outside the store. So he calls over to like her, her, his manager. She runs outside. The old lady has to scoot her way back through the store all the way through the line to pay for her $20 purchase. And I was able to get my snarky dig in to like get my revenge. Because when she came through, I was like, you know, ma'am, like if I was a little bit nicer, I just would have covered that. So they didn't have to go back out. But, you know, not anymore. Not uh, anymore. Uh, so this so uh, so is where I had the picture. So she you weren't able to obviously check out as she's already outside. You had to wait for her. To, the whole line had to wait for her to come all the way. Back correct. The correct. Yeah. Her total, which was like, I think, like thirty three dollars was just sitting on the screen as like this dude was just sitting here totally like like punch drunk. I think he was terrified of what what would happen if this lady had to come back in. Which it was did. and it's it was not just you, smart. there's a full line of people also behind you or there were two yeah. other people behind me that witnessed the whole thing that sort of just were giggling back and forth with me like and like you I'm not it was so weird so weird but like I said, like before that happened, I'm checking on my phone. I'm watching Cam Davis make the backbreaking bogey. This happens. I'm driving back in my house. I get out of my car. You step in a puddle. That puddle is 10 degrees outside. My foot is freezing off. Like the inferno was just raging this weekend. And it's uh, I'm I'm happy to be through it. And 
I, I guess that's a great, fantastic segue <laughs> into where we should go tonight. And as usual, let's let's start off with a recap of the American Express, and then we'll get into the farmers. But I was going to say that's a great segue into the MX because I really don't want to do much on this because I hate this. Um, I hated this tournament. I hated this weekend. I'm just really sick overall of these birdie fest tournaments because I just don't think they teach us anything about anything, anything about anybody that we don't already know or that's super obvious already. For sure. Yeah. Um, uh, by the way, I love the, this little uh, story time segment. I think we need to make like a regular thing. I think it's a great, <laughs> great intro. And it, you know, gives people a little taste of something outside the golf. So I think I think it's good. So yeah. Kev, I appreciate that. That was sitting deep on my chest for a few days, and I'm glad I just got to. Yeah, you feel like I got to tell you uh, the weight lifted off. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah. Same thing. Not obviously. You know, we spoke about it last week a little bit, but not obviously the most exciting of tournaments. Um, Rom, I mean, it's just unbelievable what he does. But I, but what I will say, I was very interested. On Sunday, you know, because going in on Sunday, he he obviously he he was actually tied with um, Davis Thompson, so um, they're both at twenty three under. I think to start the day, so I was interested to see because you know as they're starting the day at both at twenty three under, and but I was interested. I kind of thought in my head what I thought the betting line, the live betting lines would be on Sunday based on seven hundred. Yeah, I was going to ask you what you thought they would because I actually looked them up and wrote them down. So you I, I, didn't look, I guess if if I had to legitimately guess, I would think like one to four on Rom. Okay, so like I two and a half to one on Thompson or something like that. So I was thinking something similar. I. Rom's number was less than what I thought it would be. I thought he would be more of a favorite than what he was. So he was at minus 175 and Thompson was at plus 350, which which is way more even than I would have thought, despite the fact that obviously they were starting out at the same point on Sunday. But if you watched any of that round on Sunday um, or, or followed it, it was actually a lot closer than I think a lot of people sort of expected. Uh, Rom kind of lost his way a little bit halfway through. Um, but there was one point... Uh, I was watching, I think it was the 13th or 14th hole, and I believe they were tied at the time. Um, and Rom had, or Thompson had a birdie putt that was like eight feet, uh, and he just pulled it and missed the hole completely. And then Rom had a similar putt. He, he missed the green and then uh, had an eight-foot putt for par, which he made. Uh, and I felt like that was kind of the turning point where it was like, okay, he's just going to take this over and sort of win it but again i was expecting a runaway just based on his level of play in recent weeks um and it was not that but uh you know now looking ahead to this week he is the prohibited favorite as he should be uh, i think i saw earlier today it was like four and a half to you know plus 450 which is just an insane um outright number but right in a golf tournament that's actually pretty strong too right it's, it's just strong stupid. field yeah yeah um, so you watched candidly. I didn't watch a ton of Sunday. I watched a shitload of Thursday to Saturday. Did you ever feel like Rom was in trouble down the stretch? Uh, to win the tournament or to yeah, like like do you think Thompson was going to actually catch him, or Rom um, was going to give it away? N- no, I I didn't. But what I will say, I, I thought uh, to start the day on Sunday, I thought that Rom was gonna run away with it. Like right, like, right, right, right. He right, was right. just. I was looking actually at 
other guy because I was like, okay, this Thompson. I think he's like twenty. He's you know very young. Uh, yeah. I just expected him to kind of fall off, and he didn't do that, which I was impressed with. Um, I know a couple other guys that had just monster rounds. Like I think Xander shot sixty two for tender. Yeah. Yeah. He worked his way up there, and a couple other guys shot um, really. Van Royen went super yeah. low. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, so it was uh it was interesting to see, but yeah, um happy to like you said sort of move on to some more um well known events and some some courses that we are familiar with as well. Yep, and one last thing I'd say, like I just looked at at some people that missed the cut, like just just to take to take anything other than take nothing from these these you know birdie fest events. The the volatility of putting again, I feel like I say it every single week, but like Tom Kim. Uh, misses the cut uh, pretty, you know, non-competitively um, at the Sony. Uh, comes back at the Amex is, you know, obviously a couple shots uh, short of the lead, but pretty much in the top five the entire weekend. Uh, Sung J M, same thing. Um, ball striking doesn't really like go away. Uh, putting might, but like the, you know, that that sustains itself. Yeah, um, I was. Uh, it was nice to see a lot of people come back on those guys like Tom Kim and Sung J, not afraid. They you know, missed the cut the first week, and it was. Um, you know, I think almost everyone I talked to, and this is including myself, and everyone who got knocked out last week was somebody that they picked. Uh, that person, I think, made the cut this week. Like almost all the prohibitive favorites that that sort of burned you in week one kind of came back and had, it seems like, very good weeks, all of them this week. So, yep. All right, cool, dude. You ready to move on to the farmers? All right, yep. cool. Let, let's do it, man. Onto the farmers. Uh, first thing that stands out and, and something we should make note of over and over and over. This is your your unordinary, inordinary Wednesday start, uh, Saturday finish to stay out of the way of uh, conference championship football, which I actually love a lot uh, by the PGA. Um, but something you've got to keep track of as you're thinking about this picks your picks this week. Everything's moved back a day. Um, like last week too, we're on a couple different courses, not three, we're on two. We're on Torrey Pines South and Torrey Pines North. Um, I'm sure we'll talk about this a bunch, but Torrey Pines South is a monster. It's um, 7,700 yards. It's one of the longest uh, tracks on the PGA Tour that these guys will play. Um, but I guess most of all, it is so starkly different from the North course, which is, uh, you know, among the shortest that the guys will play it again, 7,200 yards, sort of what they've been playing the last couple of weekends um, and plays customarily um, three to five shots different um, on average uh, throughout the field um, because of the length and some of the rough issues as well. Um, so those guys will play one round on each course. And then the Saturday, Sunday will be played, I think, exclusive, exclusively on the South course, um, which is the, the tougher and the more famous um, of the two. Yeah, um, for sure. So yeah, um, two course rotation this time. So that means we're back to the regular uh, cut on Friday afternoon after the two rounds. Uh, well, I get, it'll be Thursday afternoon for this one. Yeah, shout out to you for uh, for knowing that new schedule change early yeah. on in the week. Well done. There you go, first one. <laughs> um, so yeah, so that's big. And then as we saw this past week, you know, we had the three course rotation. Obviously, it was um, Stadium Course, La Quinta, and then the Nicholas Tournament Course. The stadium course was the one that they all played on Sunday and the most difficult of the three, but not a stark, starkly diff more difficult than the other two, I would say. Um, 
whereas the south course is significantly more difficult than the north course in terms of how it will play uh even though the south course is the one where they play the the majors at we had the u.s open there that rom won a couple years ago it won't be set up major difficult but um still as you mentioned just the length alone the par fives uh all the par fives in the south course are all, over Huge. 560 yards yep. um the north course all the all the par fives are less than that so so very gettable um something to look at too if you're if you bet any kind of like first round leaders or anything like or play um, like showdown and DraftKings or anything like that, the North course, again, is going to have a huge advantage. And something to keep in mind, even if you're uh, tracking your guys to make the cut, if they're on the South course day one, right, and they shoot like minus two uh, and you see other guys going out and shooting minus eight. But if they're on the North course, just understand that your guys going to you know have an easier ride, you know, round the next round so it's it's something to to sort of look at as they're splitting their two first days uh between those two courses yeah i think that's that's one thing i'd say normally um there's some strategy involved in selecting uh who's going to get what course on which day uh and line it up with the weather i don't think the weather is going to be much of a factor this week there'll be pretty comparable days both days so um you know, something to keep in mind, though, if you're if you're you know super researching this um, and something changes throughout the week, if you want your guy on the south course, you want him on the south course on the easier weather day with less wind is what you're looking for. You know, specifically in the weather forecast um, to is what affects these guys most um, in the score uh, as you're sort of looking for guys you want to think about betting guys you want to think about selecting and survivor guys that are, are going to have success here. We've mentioned it a few times. It, it's the bombers. Um, the the length of the South Course, which they'll be playing for three days, and, and most importantly to the survivor pool for half of the, the cut period, um, is the distance. Um, some of the stats that have correlated to success are raw driving distance, which is, you know, we, we've said uh a hundred times already, and then some stats that are also correlated to that. Um Longest par fours, which rate uh, 450 to 500, the guys that hit those and score the best on those have success at this tournament overall and on Torrey Pines South. And then um, approach shots from 200 yards and out. Um, one thing that that I've read and that is common in this tournament is because of the length, um, this is kind of a second shot dependent course to a certain extent where you're going to have a lot of guys that are going to be hitting um, long irons uh, into green. So ball striking again, correlating to success. Um, the weather is not going to be an issue, but from what I've read, it's been a little more rainy than usual around this area. So the rough, while not major length is going to be a little heavier and thicker and tougher to deal with than in other tournaments, but conversely, the greens will be a little more receptive and maybe a little slower. Um, so when I think of how, um, you know, that may translate, I, I want, I want guys that are going to hit the fairway and maybe be willing to sacrifice, um, you know, a pure bomber to to guys that'll maybe ball strike a little more. And, you know, the ideal one I think of is Morikawa, obviously, who, who's not at the top of the, uh, you know, driving distance um, ratings every tournament, but is just incredible with any iron in his hand to a green. Uh, but that's not, you know, that's not exactly great analysis because he's, you know, one of the best five players in the world. So, uh, of course, he's going to be a great pick, but um that was a lot. What are you thinking about when you find, uh, you know, when you're thinking about who to pick, who you think will have some success um, in this one? Um, yeah, I like that you mentioned Morikawa actually, because he's a guy I'm definitely going to be keeping an eye on for sure. Just with how um, 
it played out in the first tournament. You know, he had the big lead on the first three days and then Rom kind of came back and overtook him. Just looking to see how he like bounces back from that mentally a little bit. He just played so well. And I, I mean, gained a lot with the putter, obviously like the first three days and then it sort of left him on Sunday. So interested to see how uh, he comes out for the weekend. But yeah, for the most part, like you said, I'm looking for bombers. Like we mentioned, the field is, is amazing. I mean, at the top, just looking at the betting board here, we have Rom, Shoffley, Finau, Thomas, Zalatoris, Morikawa, um, you know, all these like big name guys, like first five or six names right there. And then you have a bunch of guys that, um, younger guys who have just been playing really well. Taylor Montgomery, we see pop up a lot. Uh, yeah. JJ Spawn is back playing at this one, who's had an incredible uh, fall swing and, and beginning to this season as well. Um, a bunch of names that I'm looking at sort of down the list, but sort of the same thing as you, obviously the ball striking. Um, I'm looking at around the greens stuff as well. Like you had mentioned, just some of the thicker rough and stuff around the green. I want guys that are comfortable um, scrambling a little bit when they do miss the greens, um, they're able to sort of get up and down for par and not um, ruin their round, so to speak. So, Yep. Yep. I like that. And and we were sort of, uh, you know, chatting over the weekend. This is, uh, you know, we're starting to get into tournaments that sort of remain in the memory from year to year because these tend to be a little more competitive. And when you're watching these, you know, be watching this on a Saturday on Torrey Pine South, like a birdie is actually sort of important for a guy to get, um, you know, whereas down the stretch these last couple of weekends, they happen every hole. And, and actually, it's almost devastating to, to, to par on, on certain holes. Um, these tournaments to me tend to be a little uh, nicer down the stretch for the viewer, uh, a little more memorable, um, which gets me into, you know, I like when I'm picking for this tournament, when I'm betting on this tournament, guys that I know play well at Torrey Pine South, um, because it is a course that's in the rotation, has been played played before. So you see these guys play it, you know how they handle it. Um, and that's who I personally find some comfort in here. Uh, so candidly, I guess just to be, Fun. I, I, you know, I would eliminate Rom, even though like he's so damn good right now. I just, I think he'll win the tournament. But how fun is it to just be like, I just want to bet Rom. He's four and a half to one. You know, to make the cut. Of course, he's going to make the cut. If we want to have a little fun here, that's who I'm sort of, I'm sort of going to be talking about. But the smart money and I think the prohibitive favorite, just in form and fit and everything, is Rom. But past that, I like uh, Tony Finau. Uh, I guess as another one of the favorites, I know he plays well here. And again, as a, as a distance guy, somebody who's a bomber off the tee uh, can sort of overpower some of the rough. I like him. I like Max Holma um, on pretty much, honestly, any West coast course. Um, and, and here too, he, he plays very well here too. Um, sort of some guys that I like that have been playing well, that are coming back that are fun names is Jason day and Justin Rose. And, you know, guys, that if you follow golf in the 90s and 2000s, like, you know, too, and uh, Jay Day played really well this past weekend. Justin Rose did as, did as well. They've both played historically well here. And like Jason Day is still sort of deceivingly young, even though he's been around for a while. So this is somebody that maybe he's just starting to get good again or be healthy. Like this was one of the best players in the world for a long time Um, in, you know, the Tiger dominance area uh, era if he's over these, you know, chronic back issues, like this is somebody who maybe could be an undervalued guy who regains this elite form and, and presents some value in the next couple of weeks. For sure. Um, I like that you mentioned Homa. He was a name I had written down as well. Um, yeah, big, 
California guy. So anytime he's uh, showing up at these events, he kind of looked to his name. And he's also in really great recent form as well. So definitely uh, a guy I'll be taking a look at. A couple other guys that I saw a little bit further down the board. So this guy at 90 to 1 is uh, Kurt Kitayama. So he uh, has gained in uh, every single category strokes gained um, tee to green pretty much. So uh, in the 22-23 season, he uh, the only stat he's losing strokes in is putting. Um, and that's sort of what you look for with some of these guys like further on down the board is that you want to see the consistent ball striking numbers and then just hope that they have a good week uh, putting. And if they can do that, then they can sort of show up, um, you know, in uh, on sunday so he's uh one guy i'm looking at and then another one that i saw same number 90 to 1 is uh dean burmeester so he played last week as well had a, a pretty good week i think he finished i want to say like 13 14 under on the week nothing like incredible or earth shattering but just like put together four pretty solid rounds i think he shot even on sunday which is not great but his other um first three rounds were really solid he worries me a little bit because he is losing um strokes gained approach, uh, but everything out, he has really good um, scrambling numbers and around the green numbers. So I'm hoping that that can kind of um, overshadow that and his approach game just kind of um, is an outlier for this week and he gets a little bit better. But he is a very strong par five scorer. So we mentioned the importance of the par fives. Um, he scored really well with them last week and just historically throughout his career. So um, looking at him as well. Cool. I got a couple more fun ones too that I think maybe you're in the... Um in more of maybe the first round leader territory or like maybe top five, top 10 bets. I'm not sure these guys can actually win the tournament just with the strength of the field, but Cam Davis is at uh 50 to one. Um, I, 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 I'm not a big fan of his at the moment. Um, but this unfortunately is another course that fits his game very well. Uh, he's a super long guy who's great off the tee and, you know, good with long irons, but you know, he can, uh, go kick rocks for me after this week, but it does work with his game. Um, Will Gordon is uh, 125 to one. So uh, from what I understand, he's got amazing driving uh, stats at Torrey Pine South and also like crazy outlier putting stats there too. Um, I don't know if that'll sustain, but when you're talking, you know, 125 to one, again, just give it a shot. If he stays hot, if this is just a court that super cars is super familiar, you know, super comfortable to him, maybe he can creep up there. And then finally, Austin Ekro, uh, who knocked somebody out in the pool this week. Another guy with tremendous course history here, who, again, I don't think has the game to actually win this, but maybe, you know, a top 10, top 25 bet type guy, because he's all the way at 250 to one to win the tournament. Yeah, um, I like the, yeah, the top. So, if and again, if you're obviously outrights are fun to hit, you're going to pick the guy to win the tournament. Obviously, it pays the biggest. But like, you know, Ed sort of alluded to, if you like a guy who's pretty a little bit further down the board, you can, of course, bet him outright at a huge number and obviously hope to to hit that. But like we said, you know, it tends to be at Torrey Pines, it's the big boys, especially with like this strong a field, like it's, it's, it's likely to be one of the guys that you know that win this tournament. Um, so with that being said, you know, it's worth a little bit to throw on like a top five, top 10, top 20 type of bet. But uh, just sort of looking at the odds here, I look Rom's numbers for top five and top 10. I just, What's it? Top three, three. One to three. I'm not, I'm not looking, I'm not looking at those specific numbers, but yeah, one to so, three for top, so top 
five. No, top five is plus one hundred five. So essentially, even money. To top I mean, five. that's still that's still stupid. Yeah, and then but, top ten is minus one ninety. So almost two. Like you got a ju- juice up <laughs> in my head. Top ten, which is that is so crazy. <laughs> that's so crazy. But again, that's like so I, crazy. you know, like I, would you go again? I, I would like to see if there's a number for him to finish. Like what the number would be for him to finish outside the top ten? Because again, right. like. I don't know, but yeah, but there were there were five of the top ten guys, or you know, other than him, four of the other top ten guys in this tournament, and then a couple other guys that are awesome. It's an awesome field, but he, right. you know, it just speaks to how how stupid he is right now. It's crazy. It's crazy. All right, I uh, are we good on the farmers? Great. So. Let's end here. This is again unscripted, unrehearsed. I I got a question that I've been pondering for a while that sort of struck me as we were talking about him. Are you pro or anti Max Homa? And what I mean by that, not the golfer, but just the whole personality in general. I may have a hot take on this one. Yeah, um, obviously, Matt, uh, Max Homa, he's one of the big um, you know, Twitter personalities, very active. Um, and that can sometimes rub people the wrong way if it's too much. But the thing about him is I think that he – he seems to me like genuinely funny. And he also, in my opinion, doesn't overdo things. Like he knows when to let things go, I guess. So like the, the swing roasting thing, for example, he did it for like, you know, however long he did it for. And then he just kind of retired and just let it go. Like he didn't beat it to death. Um, I haven't seen much from him lately. I don't know if that's just because I'm not paying attention closely enough or, or what, but uh, I don't know if you have a different opinion on that. So I, I'm right with you on literally everything you said. And I, I like him. He's obviously an awesome golfer and uh, is funny with the swing stuff. And even though I've, I've always thought it was bordering on too much and a little corny, I always did think it was genuine. So it wasn't like never got annoying, but then he was on Ryan Russillo's podcast last week doing the life advice segment. And he did sort of a golf specific part, but then like a regular part. And I was so upset at how not funny he was during that it like it it hurt me because i liked him and i was like oh this is going to be awesome he's going to answer first of all he's going to answer some golf questions and that's going to be some great nuggets i I felt like he was hitting punchline after punchline and they just were not working and i was just like shoot i want to laugh right there dude i want to laugh with you right there and you're just not i can't do it you got to play the music for me to dance. And it was, uh, I wanted to so bad. That's interesting. Yeah. It's something, and I think there's a difference, right? So like, obviously when you're on, on Twitter and you have time to think about your response, yeah. it's rehearsed, you can like, um, you know, plan it out a little bit. I think his, his Twitter response and like his digs, like cut to the core, yes, and very intelligent so and well delivered. But when you're speaking, if your delivery is not, you know, if you if you're not delivering those punchlines in the right way, I don't think it'll hit as well. So that's interesting. I didn't hear, I haven't heard him speak um, live a ton. He's done a couple. I've seen a couple interviews here and there. Um, one thing I'll say as well is like when back when he started doing the swing roasting stuff or started getting a little big on Twitter, the game was not really backing it right. Like he yeah. wasn't like a top player, and now to see right. him like sure. sort of improve a lot and um, and become like a you know legitimate. Uh, PGA Tour player has been nice to see that sort of like come along with um, all the rest of the stuff as well. Yeah, I'd implore you to listen to that Russillo. It, it just just maybe that segment. The podcast is good overall, I think, but 
Um, listen to that segment and we'll check back in next week on whether you think his charisma matches up to his personality. I'd love to have a differing opinion, but it was almost like a comedy movie that you look forward to and then you go watch it and it's like, oh man, I needed that. I needed that and just didn't hit. Oh man, you're giving me homework assignments. All right, that's good. I like Ryan, my bad. So, uh, so that'll be that'll be easy for me. Yeah, that'll be the first thing we rehearse for this thing, and then uh, <laughs> then go from there. All right, dude. We got State of the Union address. We got 25 people left. We got 1,500 with one person undecided for a buyback. Still going strong here. Getting into the meat of it. Um, I'm good. I, I wish everybody luck. I'm glad uh, everybody that's that's still doing it is doing it. Um, yeah, I'm good, man. I'm good. All right. Yeah. Best of luck to everybody this week. Uh, minus the lady on the scooter at the grocery store in Maine. That's right. That's right. Great way to sign off. Dude. All right. I'll talk to you later.